This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, August 21st. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, Planet Bluegrass sued for sexual harassment. New book brings a fresh look at social change. G is for government previews Telluride Town Council. And a mountain weather forecast. But first, Koto's freeform music format is delivered by local DJs. These enthusiastic volunteers fuel the spirit of the station and keep it fun and funky. If you appreciate KOTO's soundtrack for the Box Canyon and beyond, go to KOTO.org to donate. And thank you. Planet Bluegrass and Telluride Bluegrass Festival promoter Craig Ferguson are being sued by a former employee for alleged sexual harassment and violation of a restraining order. The lawsuit, filed in Boulder District Court earlier this month, claims Ferguson engaged in, quote, persistent, outrageous, and violent sexual harassment. The plaintiff is looking for, quote, compensation for the extreme emotional distress she endured. According to the lawsuit, the alleged events took place in Lyons, Colorado. The plaintiff alleges she and Ferguson developed a close, personal, non-romantic friendship. However, she says in the lawsuit, in early 2023, Ferguson began subjecting her to, quote, a barrage of unwanted sexual advances and innuendo. The lawsuit alleges, including messages suggesting she send him nude videos of herself, instructing her to wear specific clothing and lip gloss, calling her sorceress and telling her he wanted to, quote, live happily ever after with her. The lawsuit states the plaintiff repeatedly rebuffed Ferguson's advances and in April 2023 filed a complaint with Planet Bluegrass Human Resources. The lawsuit claims the complaint was ignored and seven days later she was fired from the organization. In mid-May, a Boulder District Court approved a restraining order against Ferguson. One month later, the plaintiff came to Telluride for the Telluride Bluegrass Festival, which Ferguson and Planet Bluegrass run. The lawsuit alleges the plaintiff saw Ferguson and, quote, fled in the opposite direction to her friend's tent. The lawsuit says Ferguson then followed her, going against the restraining order, and attempted to persuade security to remove her from the festival. On June 22nd, a Boulder County Sheriff deputy determined there was probable cause that Ferguson violated the restraining order. He was arrested and jailed. Karen Craven is a spokesperson for Planet Bluegrass and Ferguson. She says she's unable to directly address the facts of the case, but says the allegations go against the character of the organization. This community knows that we have spent the last three decades creating a respectful and admirable community here. Our festival community is known across the country for its high standards and sense of integrity that values people most of all. This complaint is unprecedented and in conflict with our history and our values. She says many of the allegations are unsubstantiated, adding Ferguson and Planet Bluegrass believe the facts will prevail in court. In a statement to KOTO News, Paul Maxson, the plaintiff's lawyer, says the best outcome for the case is that the plaintiff is fully compensated for her injuries and the defendants are held accountable for their actions. Ferguson is set for an arraignment in Boulder Court on Friday, August 25th. No trial date for the case has been set. Ken Grossinger has spent a career leading policy initiatives and organizing at major labor unions in the U.S. He's now a strategist working for various progressive and philanthropic causes. 
and the Telluride resident has recently become an author with the publication of his book, Artworks, How Organizers and Activists Are Creating a Better World Together. Grossinger sat down with Kodo to discuss the book and begins by recalling the outset of his career in labor organizing. And during that whole period of time, uh, when I was learning my craft, when I practiced it, and when I began to teach it to younger organizers, uh, art and culture were never part of the mix. And then I married an artist, and I realized that I missed a big boat. I learned it wasn't just organizers who didn't think strategically about how to use art and culture to advance their work, but artists who saw their work often as political forms of individual expression as opposed to being in the service of social movements. And so I wanted to write a book that would fill that gap. And is this your first book, or had you written one before? This is my first book. I'm going to be 69 next uh, month. That's my first book. I've written a few articles, uh, but um, this was a three-year passion of love. How would you describe this book? Uh, It's nonfiction, obviously, but for potential readers, what what would you say? Is it a history, a collection of essays? It's it's a set of stories uh, where artists have worked in concert with organizers to advance social change. So art on the one side and organizing on the other both have influence in their own spheres, but when they're together, uh, the impact is much stronger. And so when I look at the civil rights movement, uh, I look at the role that music played or theater played uh, and the work that was doing uh, and the organizing work that ran side by side. Uh, Same thing in Black Lives Matter. So throughout each chapter, it really takes a look at those collaborations, what makes them work and what doesn't. And from studying these collaborations, what have you learned about social change? Uh, how, how has writing this book changed your view of social change? Yeah, so um, traditionally, we're used to protest and lobbying and advocacy leading to social change uh, in legislation and therefore policy. But often, ha- oftentimes what happens is that those legislative advances get rolled back when power changes hands. And so you have a pendulum that swings from the left to the right depending upon who's in control. And that's largely because what we're doing is we're electing or re-electing or unelecting politicians. But we're never getting to the narratives that underlie those fights. And until we can get to the narratives, until we can touch our hearts and our souls, the rationale the rational part of our mind is never going to be sustained. Uh, so I think that th- that's that's a key point uh, in the book. Right. So through a different sort of thinking, through, through artistic thinking, you found we can have more lasting social change? The book argues that art is not just a reflection or a reaction to social movements, but a contributor to them. And if we think about it in that way, as opposed to a documentation, then you've, you've got a dynamic. You've got the possibilities to make change. That was Telluride resident, activist, and now author, Ken Grossinger, discussing his book, Art Works, How Organizers and Artists Are Creating a Better World Together. This week, you can learn more about Grossinger's thoughts on social change. Tuesday, August 22nd at 5.30 p.m. in the Telluride Arts HQ Gallery, join Grossinger for a discussion and a launch party of Artworks.
short-term rentals are once again on the docket at Telluride Town Council this week. In this installment of G is for Government, Telluride Town Council member Geneva Shawnette shares what to expect. Hey Geneva, thanks for coming in for another installment of G is for Government. So stoked to be here. Telluride Town Council is back on Tuesday, starting off with two work sessions, both important. One, I think, maybe at the front of other people's minds and another one a little bit more in the weeds. Can you talk about what those are? Yeah, so our first work session is going to be at 10 a.m. Um, it's scheduled for 75 minutes, but may go longer uh, because I know this is a hot topic. Uh, we are going to be hearing from uh, town manager Scott Robson and EPS, the consultants, uh, data consultant team we hired to evaluate our short-term rental data and um, policies. So we are uh, going to be talking about the most recent open houses that we had, extra information and data that we gathered at those about um, public opinion, about different um, potential policy choices we could make moving forward, whether we keep the cap on STRs, whether we do away with it, whether we adjust our STR policy in different ways and just sort of keep discussing that um, process. Uh, the current cap is set to expire in November, and we need to decide as a community what we're going to do before that expiration happens. And then, as I said, the second work session goes a little bit in the weeds on some housing stuff as well from the school district. What is that one looking at? Basically, this item is uh, the school district and the Lawson Hill um, uh, organization coming to us to ask us to uh, amend the water agreement we have with Lawson Hill so that uh, the school district can build more density on property that they own. And that density would be for affordable housing. Um, when we initially, when the town initially created the water service agreement with Lawson Hill, there's a cap on how much, how many units and um, you know, what kinds of units we would provide water for the town, we being the town. And now we're just hearing a request for an amendment to that to allow for the construction of more housing. Got it. And that will take town council through lunch. And then you have one more work session in the afternoon. What is that one going to look at? Yeah, so I'm really excited about this one. Um, our deputy town manager, Zoe Donnell, is going to be presenting to us about uh, our goals and objectives um, and department goals and objectives uh, from 2023, an update, as well as looking, starting the conversation looking to 2024. Um, we're also going to be talking about new software uh, that the town can utilize to put our budgets and things like that on the on the internet in an easier to digest way um, through an organization or a company called ClearGov. So this is something that I've been advocating for for a long time, and I'm really excited to see you know colorful charts and click through um, budgets so that people can really get an understanding of what kind of money comes into the town of Telluride and how it gets allocated and, and what kind of projects we uh, spend the money on, as well as just the general operations of the town. Those are the the work sessions, kind of the, the big ticket items for town council on Tuesday. Is there anything else that you think folks will be interested in tuning in for or things that folks should know before town council or in the next few weeks? You know, we're going to be having um, a series of second readings of land use code amendments uh, that have been working their way through our system. And once passed, those will go into effect. 
uh, in the afternoon. And then, of course, I always recommend that folks tune into the manager's reports uh, and the council and attorney's reports in the afternoon uh, to just sort of get a snapshot on what else is going on in town. Um, I would say that the election is coming up, and so it's time to start tuning into who's running for mayor and for town council seats. And look forward to a great campaign season. And yeah, that's kind of it. Sounds good. Uh, Geneva, thanks for coming in and we'll see you in person, online or over the airwaves on Tuesday. Wouldn't miss it. The gondola will extend its fall season until October 21st. Historically, the gondola closes on the third Sunday of October, but the towns of Mountain Village and Telluride and the Telluride Mountain Village Owners Association are partnering to keep the main line of the gondola from Telluride to Mountain Village open six days longer this year. Officials say after receiving feedback from businesses and looking at how the calendar falls this year, they decided to extend the gondola by a week. The gondola will remain open from 6.30 a.m. through midnight through October 21st. The section between the Mountain Village Center and the Village Market will close as scheduled. Shuttles will run between Market Plaza and the Village Core. Telluride's rich performance tradition dates back to its early days as a mining community, when the Sheridan Opera House opened in 1913 as a stage for vaudeville. The vaudeville tradition was in full swing at the time and drew a wide variety of entertainment traditions, from circus acts to comedy to dance, music, poetry, and beyond. Well, vaudeville is alive and well in Telluride this week, as the Wilkinson Public Library, Telluride Theater, and Telluride Arts stage a vaudeville-style show in the Bra in Town Park. The acts are sourced from the community, and the program is free, open to all, though probably not appropriate for children. The curtains lift at 7 p.m. on August 23rd. Bring a friend. The Colorado Medical Board ruled unanimously last week that certain so-called abortion reversal treatments do not fall within generally accepted standards of medical practice. The decision comes after the board refrained from classifying such treatments as unprofessional in a draft ruling last month. This new decision focuses on a specific method of abortion reversal, which the board ruled is unprofessional conduct. That's when a patient is prescribed the hormone progesterone to try and stop a medication abortion that's already underway. A state law banning abortion reversal treatments is on hold pending the medical board's decision. It's not clear yet if last week's ruling will allow the law to fully take effect. Grand Junction Mayor and Democrat Anna Stout has thrown her hat in the ring to challenge Republican U.S. Representative Lauren Boebert of Silt. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Caroline Yanis from Aspen Public Radio has more. Stout was elected to city council in 2019 and was appointed mayor earlier this year. She's also the CEO of the Royce Hearst Humane Society and worked for years as a Spanish-language interpreter, including in the Roaring Fork and Colorado River Valleys. She says all of that experience in public service has allowed her to connect with people long before her campaign kicked off. 
Stout also says the economic development she's overseen in Grand Junction is a story lots of communities in western Colorado can relate to. This used to be a community that marketed itself because of our cheap labor. And now we're a community that markets it ourselves because of all of the amenities and the strength of our economy, the strength of our culture, the strength of our outdoor recreation. Some of the issues Stout wants to address in Washington include housing, water rights, immigration reform, and reproductive health care. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Caroline Yanez. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly cloudy skies tonight with a low near 50 degrees, along with steady winds and a chance of showers. Tuesday brings an 80% chance of rain and thunderstorms and a high near 70 degrees, followed by a mostly cloudy night with storms gradually ending and a low near 50. Wednesday, expect rain and thunderstorms again with a high near 70, followed by a mostly cloudy night with a chance of lingering thunderstorms and a low near 50. This has been the news for Monday, August 21st. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. We would like to thank everyone who has donated to Kodo during our summer fund drive. A huge thank you to Brittany and Bet Worley, Mark Walker, Denise Mongan, Sam Morton, Lee Owens, Anne Marie Fitzpatrick, Mallory Eddy, Eddie Anderson, Bob Boehner, Lisa Ann Andrews, Daniel Cotto, Crocodile Dundeen, Ellen Drake, Michael Jeffrey Griswold, Kevin Henry Kimbrough, Rachel Morrow, Grace Peschini, Doug and Amy Reese, Shannon Stokes, John Vogel, Andrew Tyler, Ed Stell, Mike and Alice Reed, and Rob Sabam. Thank you all so much.